So my dear brothers and sisters, you're very welcome to our Holy Mass, to our reunion and to this feast of Saint of Corpus Christi. When we gather as, as a prayer-filled community, I think we can feel uh, immediately there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a spirit of prayer, there's a spirit of unity, there's a spirit of joy uh, as we've been, been experiencing these last couple of days, especially yesterday until the wee hours of the morning. So, good morning to you all. <laughs> uh, whenever we're talking to children, it's, it, there's, a, there's a knack, there's an art in speaking to children uh, in a way they understand. You know, you have to simplify your words. You have to, uh, even physically, you kind of make yourself smaller when you're talking to a child. You kind of, you get down a bit lower. You kind of, do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't kind of get into their face. You give them a bit of room. And, and you have to obviously simplify the way you speak. Uh, so, when, when children ask questions, if you do a bit of thinking as to how you answer, because the, 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 you, don't just, you can't just kind of give the scientific answer. You know what I mean? As I say, you have to adjust your language to, to the wee child in front of you uh, and, and, and speak in a way that they can understand. We do it all the time. You know, when they're very, very small, we speak with goo-goos and gagas and look at you, look at you, little. Um, but you, you speak in a language that, that they can they hear by the tone that you're happy, that you're joyful, that you're glad to see them. You know what I mean? If you say, you are a, an exceptional human being, you are perfectly symmetrical and proportional. Well done. I, you know, what I've said is very nice. It is. It's really. It's heartfelt. But I just don't think the child is going to feel any warmth here. You know. So we, we adjust the way we speak to those who are listening. We have. You have to. It's called good communication. You know, if you want to communicate, you have to adjust the way you speak. Now imagine God, who wants to speak to us. Okay. So like God, who is infinitely more and infinitely. Infinitely infinite, infinitely intelligent and all-knowing and all-seeing and who lives in this constant now for whom all things are present for us, which is past, present and future. For him is all present. He can see the whole story, beginning, middle and end. It's all present to him. And he loves every single one of us, knowing our faults and even the faults that we will commit. It's all present to him. In fact, all of the, the, the sin that has been committed from the beginning of time until the end is all present to him at the same time. I told you the story before, but I saw this interview uh, of a lady who had a fantastic and absolutely astonishing memory. Uh, so she was being interviewed, and uh, she was asked, so they picked a random, the journalist picked a random date, 12th of February, 1962. And she said, uh, that was graduation day in, in primary school. Um, we had just done an English test the day before. I got 56%. And then they go back and verify and see it was all true. You know, but like just picking random dates, and she had it all stored in her head. And the, the journalist said, this must be absolutely amazing. Like, you can remember, just, I mean, imagine reading a book and being able to remember everything. Imagine being able to remember absolutely everything. Uh, and she said, yeah, she said, there, there are some advantages. But she said, I can also remember every single pain and rejection as if it just happened at the same time. That's also why the Lord allows us to forget things. Because if we could hold on to everything at the same time, I think it would make life fairly difficult for most of us. So it's good that we're able to forget. It's good that we don't ho- we're not able to hold all of these things in our minds and just, just move on with life. But this is God, for whom all things are present. And thankfully, all of the good is also present. 
every moment of adoration, every moment of, of gratitude, every, every prayer, every time we have, we have come to him humbly and asked him for help or forgiveness or, or mercy, whatever it is, all of that is present to him too. It's, I mean, we can't even begin to, to understand what on earth goes on in that divine mind like, because it must be so like, beautiful and tragic at the same time. It's so, so joy-filled and yet so full of rejection at the same time. So many people who love him and adore him and so many people who could not care less. I mean, indifference is even worse than being an enemy. Just to be indifferent. I don't care if you're there, if we're not there, I don't care. And all of that, to be able to hold all of that in your divine mind at the same time and still react with love. And still love. In that, surely at some point you'd say, look, I've just had enough. Kablooey, you're gone. <laughs> like, surely at some point you'd go over the edge and just sicky. <laughs> but no. Because God is love. Love isn't something he does. It is his very nature. His very essence is to love. So we can't not love no more than you cannot be a human being. It's his nature. It's, it, it, it's, it's what he is. He is love. And so he responds to all the rejection and the misconceptions and the hatred with love and will do so until the end of time. So this is the God, you see, that, that we're dealing with. This is the God then who's trying to reveal himself to us, trying to speak to us in a way that we can understand. And as we have to kind of somewhat degrade ourselves, speaking to a child, you know, making yourself so kind of ridiculously small and using really ridiculous words uh, in order to be understood, which is perfectly normal, nothing wrong with it, this is what you must do when you're speaking to a child, uh, God, must, God is doing similar things to us. He's speaking to us in such simple language that we can even just begin to start getting our heads around who he is and what he wants. So, he comes to us in the simplest, probably most universal and common form of food. From Aztecs to Aborigines, bread was more or less a staple, pretty much everywhere. Ground up your, grind up your, your, your wheat, add a bit of water, yeast, that's no yeast, no yeast. Yeast, whatever goes into it, yeast, and walk away from it, and it magically expands, and then heat it, otherwise known as baking, and uh, you're good to go for two or three days, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm a priest, okay, not a baker. <laughs> um, but point being, point being, it's just a really universal, simple food, doesn't require any complicated ingredients. Same with well, wine, not so common here in Ireland, but generally speaking, in the, 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 the known world at the time, again, it grew everywhere. So he comes to us in these simplest, common forms of food and reveals himself to us through that. Becomes present to us in that form. Becomes present in us through that form of, of food. So, so when we receive the Holy Eucharist, this is, this, is, this is God saying, not only am I God in heaven, all-powerful and all-knowing, 
and you have to try and get to know me, and I'll reveal myself to you through creation and through scripture. But then he takes a step down and says, look, I'll become, I'll become, I'll take on a human nature. So Jesus takes on a human nature so he can walk and talk like us and suffer with us and bleed like us and actually die and experience mortality, which he couldn't, he couldn't experience mortality as God because God can't die. But in this human nature, he absolutely could experience fear and rejection, uh, all that we, we read and meditated over the, the passion, death and resurrection, which we hear every year at Easter. Go through all of that. But then even there, he doesn't stop there. Even that's not enough to go through all of that. And it would have been. That really would have been enough. But he says, I will remain with you always until the end of time. But his presence with us always isn't in a, a, a corporeal, a bodily presence like you see me. His presence with us until the end of time is in the Eucharist. Well, there won't be any more Eucharistic adoration in heaven. But this side of eternity, this is how Jesus remains with us. This is the, the highest form of God's presence among us. The Holy Eucharist. It's God himself. This is my body. This is my blood. So what we experience here, what we receive here at, at every Holy Mass, is, is God's absolute humility. Not only will I become man, I will become food. I will become food for you. Like, he can't defend himself. He can't walk away if someone is disrespecting him or blaspheming him or going to use the Blessed Sacrament for a black mass or sell it on eBay or whatever else can, 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 can whatever other horrendous things can happen. Uh, he, he can't, he won't, he doesn't defend himself. I'll become food for you and as such place myself at your mercy. And hope that you will show the reverence to the Blessed Sacrament that it, that it is due. And then the rest is, is, is left up to us. It's, again, it just, the, 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 the humility of God in coming to us in the Eucharist is simply astounding. Astounding. And that's why, like, when we have the, the, the privilege of doing Eucharistic adoration, it, it is exactly that, a privilege. You don't deserve a pat on the back. You don't deserve thanks. It's just completely normal that we will come to God after what he has done for us, after his expression of humility and love and tenderness and constancy, this constant outpouring of grace and mercy that, that, that we receive in every millisecond of adoration. Bless us, we don't deserve thanks for that. He did all the hard work. So an image which uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to describe or, or, or explain uh, the Blessed Sacrament, I think is one of, of, of particular beauty. He said when a mother is feeding her child, she gives of herself for the life of the child. And so with her action, without words, because words... The child can't understand what's being said, but they understand the actions. With the action of, of a mother feeding a child, she's saying, this is my body, this is my blood. Take what you need from me to live. Be nourished and strengthened by taking what you need from me. I am emptying myself for you. And so as we receive Holy Communion, we're, we're receiving from the, like, divine life. We're receiving God himself 
into us. And Jesus is saying to us, this is my body, this is my blood. Take from me what you need that you might live. So when we, when we start to like, reflect on, 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 on this, when we start to reflect on what Holy Communion is, what the Eucharist is, we can see why there's a, a Sunday dedicated to it on Corpus Christi. I mean, it's the least he deserves. It's the least he deserves. You can see why now those who do Eucharistic adoration are, are, are so passionate about it and, and promote it in parishes, thankfully, across the, the diocese here and, and, and across the country and across the world, hopefully. We can see why Eucharistic adoration is so important as a preparation for this centrality of the, the celebration of Holy Mass. In order to refocus us, so every time we do Eucharistic adoration, we're now being drawn back into what this mystery of the Mass is all about. And it's so much more than just ticking a Catholic box in order to not feel guilty. It's coming, gathering our family around this, this not just table, but this altar of sacrifice, this place where, where Jesus is offered to the Father for each one of us. And you and I then get to be nourished, healed, received, welcomed, embraced, enter into a holy communion with the creator of the universe, with God, who is love. I tell you solemnly, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. Then he goes on to phrase it positively. Anyone who does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life. This is a divine promise. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. If you receive me, if you enter into a holy communion with me, then you will have eternal life because we're in communion. I want you in heaven. I, I will do and have done everything humanly and divinely possible to get you into heaven. I want to be there with you. And so we ask the Lord today for a renewed love for the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe on the day of your first Holy Communion you were filled with, with awe and with zeal and with, maybe with a bit of kind of holy fear almost in receiving Jesus for the first time. Hopefully that was the case. Maybe, maybe you received Holy Communion on your first Holy Communion day not having a clue what you were doing. That's possible too. But we pray that if, if we've ever had an experience, a real encounter with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that we will hold on to that and that can grow every single time we receive the Lord. That the Lord might live in us and that we can live in him. Amen.